0: Welcome to Wednesdays Together. Thank you for joining us again here as we continue our Rebuild Sermon Series. Aren't you so grateful to be able to come and worship a God who loves you, a God who is here to refresh us, to take our mind off of the distractions and the disappointments of the world all around us, to worship a God To whom we can bring our fears and our doubts and our struggles. Oh, and our hopes and our dreams and all the good things too. Aren't you grateful for that tonight? Amen. Amen. There is a story I heard of a little boy who was saying his bedtime prayers. And this time he insisted that he wanted to do it all on his own. He knew exactly what he wanted to say. So he knelt down beside his bed just like he'd been taught to do. And he began to pray. And he said, Dear God, please take care of my mommy and my daddy and my sister and my brother. Lord, please take care of my grandparents and my friends and watch over my doggy and me too. Oh, oh, and God, please, please take care of yourself too. If something happens to you, we're going to be in a big mess. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? I love this prayer because really it sums up the foundational truth of our relationship with God. And that is the fact that we must completely, totally, absolutely depend on God for everything. He is truly our only hope. And as we discussed on Sunday... The only way to really walk with God is to have a personal altar each and every day that we live, a place where we prepare our hearts to commune with God, to receive all that He has for us, and to give Him, all of us, every part of our hearts. And so I'd like to begin tonight by sharing one of our focus passages for this series. It's Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Verse 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn how to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Talk about a call. The apostle is pleading with them to live like they are saved, to live differently from the world, to look around at the world all around them, which we should be doing right now, and saying, no, no, I, I don't want that. I can't, I can't be that. That can't be me. That's not what I want in my life. To live a different way, to live a holy, dedicated, sanctified life unto God. We talked a lot on Sunday about how Jesus is the perfect sacrifice, about how there is absolutely not one thing that you can do or that I can do to earn the grace of God. And we also talked about the fact that I'm drawn to God If if I'm even drawn to God, it's because of his grace. That in and of itself is a sign of God's grace in me. I'm not drawn to God. I'm not compelled to serve him or to love him because I just got good one day and decided I wanted to serve God. No, sir, no, ma'am. It's because he's been calling me, extending grace to me all along the way. And so when it comes to salvation there is only one sacrifice and that is Jesus Christ this passage is calling us to sacrifice to be a living sacrifice we've talked all about how Jesus is the one sacrifice and i want us to to unpack this a little bit tonight so we can have a better understanding you know we we discussed thoroughly sunday about how he was the spotless lamb of God who fulfilled the law. He didn't destroy it. He was the fulfillment of that. And he brought remission or forgiveness or washing away of our sins to us, to every one of us. And he brought that once and for all. Now, you may remember the story in the Old Testament about Abraham. Father Abraham has many sons. Well, you know that really was in question, <laughs> um, in, er, very early on for a number of reasons. But one reason that is quite a dramatic story that you probably remember, maybe you do. It's when Abraham was commanded to sacrifice his son Isaac. So they climbed Mount Moriah with everything that they needed to build to, to build an altar, because when when you go to sacrifice, there must be an altar there first. But Isaac, he, he's, he's pretty sharp, so along the way, he asked an extremely relevant question at the time, "Hey, Dad, where is the sacrifice? We've got everything we need for the fire, for the altar. We don't have a sacrifice to give unto God." Let's read Genesis starting at 22, uh, Genesis 22 starting at verse six. It says, "So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it." On Isaac his son and he took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together but Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said my father and he said here I am my son then he said look the fire and the wood but where is the lamb for a burnt offering again he's carrying he's carrying his own the the own his own materials for the altar as he's going that he would be the sacrifice And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together, skipping down to verse 12. And he said, this is God speaking to Abraham. Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked and there behind him was a ram. Caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, The Lord Will Provide. As it is said to this day, In the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Just like the Passover story we read Sunday, this passage also prophesies God's plan for saving the world. You see, Abraham, he had a great faith. And he spoke with great faith of what God would do. His statement had multiple layers of fulfillment because God indeed right then in that moment provided a sacrifice in the place of Isaac. But that also foreshadowed the spotless lamb of God that he would provide to remove Isaac our sins. And as we discussed on Sunday, as believers, we are called to receive all of Jesus' sacrifice, to open our hearts so wide that He is able to fill it completely with His love, to make our hearts altars that consume all of His sacrifice for us and in us, through us. But scripture also calls us as believers to become living sacrifices. Now, again, we're these two are juxtaposed side by side. How can he be the sacrifice and then we become the sacrifice? I thought that I thought that you said, well, he's the one sacrifice once and for all, and, and what Jesus Christ did, the sacrifice of of his own life for each one of us, then that was it. That was the fulfillment. Well, that is absolutely true, but it doesn't change the fact that we're called to be living sacrifices. And I want to talk about the distinction there because it is a very important distinction and it really does matter in terms of how we live our lives. Just because we're called to be living sacrifices, it does not mean that we can do one thing to add to what God has done for us. We simply can't. But it means that in response to what God has done for us. Our lives must become living sacrifices unto him. And that Romans 12 passage that we opened up with, that's what that passage is all about. Altars are where we are transformed to become living and holy, to become the, that kind of sacrifice to God. It's where we empty ourselves of the desire to copy the behaviors of the world. And it's where we find that perfect will of God for our lives. Now, here's the thing about a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice is just that. It is alive. Why don't you say to your neighbor, it's alive. Why don't you put it in the chat, it's alive. It means though we are still alive, we choose to die out to our sinful nature. What do I mean by that? Well, we're we're making that choice every single day. We are dying daily. It's not just a one-time thing. When you're baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins, that's, 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 again, that's that once and for all. You're applying the shed blood of Jesus to your life. That covenant name is upon you. Something powerful takes place in that moment. Amen? Aren't you grateful for that? But we still have to walk in that forgiveness. We still need to have a daily altar every single day where we repent. We ask God to forgive us, to to reapply, so to speak, Uh, the blessings and the benefits of being in covenant, to have a clear, clean conscience before him. And then when we die daily, it's not just about repenting, but it's also about saying, okay, now God, transform me. Purify my mind. Purify my soul. Purify my spirit that I don't want the things that the world wants, that I don't want the things that I used to want, that I don't want the things that I want five days ago, that I wanted five days ago, but that every day... I grow closer to you. I dig deeper in you. I can put my roots down deep in you and in your spirit. And that is what a living sacrifice is all about. It's choosing, choosing to die out to our sinful nature. We choose to be like God and not the world. We live in such a way that reflects that we belong to God, not ourselves. His death saved the world, and my living sacrifice can glorify Him in this world. Does anybody believe that? His death saved the world, but if I am walking and talking and breathing and operating day in and day out as a living sacrifice, that's going to bring glory to Him in this world. People are going to, people are going to take notice. People are going to want to know what's different about you. Amen. Amen. His sacrifice saved us, and our living sacrifice keeps us connected to Him and to His mission. It just keeps our eyes on Him. That's our lifeline. We must make a personal altar every single day to commune with God and offer him all of our lives and that's the place where we trade in our sorrows and our shame and our suffering and our guilt and we find hope and peace and joy and love and all the things that money cannot buy. All the things that keep your mind going late at night and you wish you had a little more of this or you wish you had a little more of that, that's what a daily altar, that's what a living sacrifice will do for you because it will give you the peace of God. And your destiny can be aligned with God's divine purpose for you. Your own will can be transformed in his image. I wonder if we can just thank God for that right now. Lord, we are grateful. We are so grateful for your goodness and your mercy. Amen, amen, amen. You know, we like to call ourselves apostolic, right? And that means that we go back to what the apostles taught, what they preached, what they lived, what they believed in the New Testament. And we base our lives off of that. It means that we want to be a New Testament church. We want to, be, we want to believe the things that they believed. It also means that we want to see the same things that they saw, amen? That we want the same kind of, uh, that same kind of demonstration of the power of God's Spirit moving and working in our lives. We love to do this with the apostles' doctrine. We love to do this with miracles, signs, and wonders. We love to look at all the things that happened in the book of Acts as a model for us today. And I pray to God every single day that we will live up to that name, amen? If we are apostolic, we will live our lives based on Scripture. And we will truly be Spirit-led, listening for God's voice in our lives. And we'll obey it. Amen? It's not enough just to hear God's voice. We've got to obey. Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, We've got to obey. Why don't you put that in the chat tonight? We've got to obey. We must obey God's voice. But if you want to know... All these things I just described to you, if you want to know how the apostles were able to live that way, that's an easy answer. We might think it's, it's, it's kind of difficult to see all of that in our lives, but I can tell you exactly how they were able to live that way, and it's because they lived lives that were consecrated to God. They were wholly dedicated to God. They were sold out to God. The Bible states that they were known by the love they had for one another. I could stop right there. I could say, uh, let's bow our heads and pray right now. (laughs) That maybe the reason we are not fully apostolic, maybe the reason we are not fully seeing what we want to be seeing is because we do not have love for one another as we should. So that's the key. That's the foundation. That is the foundation Our dedication to God must first be based on love. We love him because he first loved us. And then what is the greatest commandment that has been given to us? To love God, number one, and to love our neighbor as ourselves, right? These apostles were in the world, but they were not of the world. They were holy unto God. They were set apart. They we're different. Not simply outwardly, but inwardly as well. And if all we have, folks, if all we have in our lives is a rule book, if all we have is something that we can just refer to and, oh, right now, what am I supposed to do? Oh, this, 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 this. And we miss out on relationship, we are missing out. We are missing out. Out. my relationship with God, of course there are things that I'm going to do because I believe them to be pleasing to God. And of course there are things that I am not going to do because I don't believe they are pleasing to God. But did you notice how, did you notice the end of that statement each time? Because it's about being pleasing to God. It's about what He desires in our lives. And that is the foundation of relationship. If it's just, we do this because that 's what the Bible says or that's what the preacher says, or that's what my mama says or that's what my great 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 grandma said that's great it's great that that you want to honor and obey, but there's got to be a relationship that guides that and that's what I'm telling you those apostles they walked and they talked with the Lord now he is not with us in the flesh right here, but folks he is his spirit is right here we have this treasure in earth and vessels. And I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss that. I want you to look at their prayer lives because they knew how real he was. So when he ascended into heaven and they went on and they did these great and mighty acts, they were based on, all this was based on their relationship, their prayer lives with them. And you can look and see what the early church was based on. It was known as a house of prayer, focused on connecting with God. God going deeper and deeper and deeper in Him. And you know what? The signs that came from the apostles, that flowed out of uh, that connection and out of that relationship. It was just natural. It was just natural. It flowed from their personal relationship with God and folks I'm going to tell you right now if there's ever a time that we need to be fully apostolic it's right now if there is ever a time that we need a demonstration of the spirit in our lives not just in our Sunday services we need that too but we need it when we're walking down the street we need that when we walk by somebody they feel something and they know that this is a safe person I can talk to this is a person who can tell me what what I need to hear what my next steps in God need to be We need that now. Your world needs that out of you right now more than ever before. And when we say we are apostolic, I pray we just don't mean that we know the doctrine or that we know how to have good church or that we have good music or that we like to lift our hands or or whatever you think it means to be apostolic. I hope, I hope, I hope That when we say we are apostolic, that means we will be people of prayer, of fasting, of separation, of dedication unto God. Because that is the only way that we will be living sacrifices. That is the only way that we will die daily on an altar to God. I'd like to share a prophecy with you. Um, our, Our bishop... Dr. David K. Bernard, he shared this last week in a message he preached at the 75th anniversary of General Conference of the United Pentecostal Church. This prophecy was given to him by Reverend Daniel Scott, Brother and Sister Scott, um, they're retired veteran missionaries who pioneered efforts throughout South America, um, based there in Bolivia and then, and then beyond. And he and his beautiful departed wife are some of the finest Christians I personally have ever known. A a great, a giant, he's a giant of the faith. And on August 22nd of last year, God gave Brother Scott a direct word about what our nation is going to experience. And um, after prayer, he felt led to share that with Pastor Bernard feeling the urgency for the church to prepare our own hearts for this season and for the harvest that is soon to come. And I don't share prophecies lightly um, because I I want to know that, they're, first of all, that it's credible. It's something that I believe that is true. I believe the source and that it's biblically based. And I believe that. Um, I certainly believe that, or I wouldn't be sharing that with you tonight. I believe this is a word of God a word from God that we need to heed. And so I'd like to read the prophecy to you in its entirety right now. My son, I will send a devastation on the United States, the like of which has never been experienced. The devastation will come with destruction multiplied times over and the people will tremble. I will do this to bring the nation to its knees. Even the kings of the earth shall be clothed in fear. The entire population of the United States will then know the paths of treachery their leaders have traveled to destroy the faith of so many. My people who are called by my name will be tried severely. But my purpose will be to show myself to be their God, even before I come to gather them to me. But the end is not yet. This will take place just prior to my return. And I will use this devastation to cause many spiritual prodigals who have turned away from me to return and re-consecrate their lives to me. And many who have left the love of righteousness and the gospel to realign their principles. Also, I will bring multitudes to know me because at that time, there will be a revelation that all men everywhere will know that I am the only Lord God. What a powerful, powerful, powerful word to share. Um, I I, want to remind you, this was of when this was written and what our nation has faced since then. Folks, I want to sound a clarion call to each person right now under the sound of my voice. If there ever were a time to fully surrender to God, it is right now. If you are waiting on something before you get right with God, this is your time. Please Don't get so distracted or so dejected that you fail to see the signs of the times right now. Please don't get so caught up with your own agenda that you miss out on the mighty move God is about to pour out on his people and through his people. This is the time to build an altar. This is is the time to humble yourself before God and to ask for his forgiveness and then walk in a way that pleases him. This prophecy was given seven months prior to our nation shutting down from COVID and we can already see how some of it is coming to pass. Folks, if you have placed your hope in our government, I'm so sorry to tell you that your trust is about to get devastated If you've placed your hope in your money, in your stocks, in your career, in your normal, comfortable life, those are all castles that are built on the sand. My brothers and my sisters, this is the time to build an altar. This is the time to remove every single idol out of our lives, to allow the consuming fire of God to burn off every impurity in our hearts, to die daily to our flesh so that we will be vessels of honor for God. And I am, I I feel that same spirit of the Apostle Paul desperately pleading. I am desperately pleading right now. I feel a heavy burden upon me right now to ask, what will it take? What will it take for us to get serious with God? What will it take for us to give up our carnality? What will it take for us to turn our hearts back to God, back to our first love? What will it take to get our attention? Will we become the people of God who usher in his end-time revival, or will we miss this moment, because we are consumed by the things of this world, the same patterns that they follow, living lives for ourselves, and not for God, and not for His glory, and not living for others. I'm calling us to pray right now. There is a mighty spirit right now in this place. Let's repent together. Dear God, we Humble ourselves before you, God. Lord, you know the way. Lord, you know the way that we take. God, you see every step that we have taken that has not pleased you. And so, Lord, we humble ourselves. We repent. We ask right now, God, that we would be able to see where we are, that we would be able to see the signs of the times, and that we would stop playing church God that we would stand up as the body of Christ that we would rise up that we would take up your cause that we would take up our cross that we would be living sacrifices every single day dying out to our flesh to our will or dying out dying out in every way. God surrendering to you completely because we know that the times are not going to be easy. And we know that we must stay connected to you. You are our only source, God. You are our only source. You are our only supply. We must stay connected to you. But God, this is not a message of doom and gloom. There is a message of hope because we know that no matter the trials, We know that you are victorious and we know that you have called us to be your children and your servants, Lord, to reap this mighty harvest that is set before us. And so we claim that right now. We claim that in the mighty name of Jesus. We empty ourselves out. We pour ourselves out before you, God. Right now, right now, right now, we surrender. Lord, I speak a word of hope. I speak a word of strength over this congregation. Everything Satan meant to destroy, God is going to rebuild. Hallelujah! He is going to restore. He's going to raise up for greatness if you humble yourself and turn your heart to Him right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I wonder right right wherever you are, can you make that place a holy sanctuary to Him? Just Surrender to him. Thank him for what he's doing. Praise him for his goodness in your life. Praise him for his mercy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we entertain your presence. Lord, we run from the things of this world and we run unto you. We thank you, God. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray in Jesus' name. Church, I love you. God loves you. God has incredible things for you. Maybe you're watching this tonight and you don't even know what to think about a lot of the things that I said. And maybe it's even frightening to you. Reach out. Reach out to me. Reach out to the church, someone you know, and let us talk through this with you. Maybe you need a Bible study. Maybe you need to be baptized and to be filled with the power of His Spirit. We are here to help get you ready for all that God has for you. As the church, we are going to rise up and we are going to claim everything God has for us. We trust you right now, Jesus, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. I love you, church. I hope you have a great rest of the week. We are here for you. We will see you Sunday morning. If you're coming in person, it's at 10.30. If you're watching online, it's 10.30 and it's 7 p.m. Have a great day. God bless you.